You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Welcome, everyone, to Why We Do What We Do. I'm going to be your VIP club ambassador and host, Abraham. Thank you so much for joining us for our 200th episode. I'm so excited today to be joined by the rest of the Why We Do What We Do crew. We have Shane, Alan, Amber, Justin, and introducing our brand new and awesome writer, Selena Schilling. And so... Yeah, I'm just going to set up our show today and going to let everybody have a chance to sort of introduce themselves. And so to begin, as I said, this is a very special episode. It's rare to make a 200th episode. It's the last time I'm ever going to do it. But I'm so happy that we got the chance to try and do it the first time. And so, yeah, as we have been posting about, this is a brunch with why we do what we do idea. So please grab your favorite mid-morning cocktail and brunch snack. For the show, we decided to focus on entertainment. This is going to be a variety show of sorts. Alan Sheen and Selena have some specific segments they'll host on a particular topic. Also, we are so fortunate to be joined by our special guests, uh, returning guest Stula, who has probably been with us more than any other guest so far, and first-time guest but longtime kindred spirit Matt Sicoria. So happy to have with us from the Behavioral Observations podcast, of course. And then self-proclaimed influencer and special guest, Ryan O'Donnell. So I'm, I'm happy to have everyone here. I'm going to give everyone, everyone have a chance to sort of to chime in and everything, but I'm sort of giving a, a state of the podcast union here to begin with. We started this podcast in May of 2017, and we have released an episode every Wednesday since we began. We only missed one release, and we ran a bit late on a few of the releases. But when we first began, we had all sorts of ideas about what we were going to be as a podcast. And I think I feel like over the last couple of years, we sort of found our stride and found a groove that worked for us. But yeah, at the time of this live recording, we have released 193 or 94 episodes. We have no plans of slowing down. We're thrilled to be able to be celebrating our four-year anniversary in May of 2021 and have a lot of big plans in the works. For what this year might look like. So hopefully that includes being able to like be around other humans again. That uh, would be amazing. Yeah, that's enough about the state of the podcast union. That's just uh, where we're at, I guess. So as I said, I'm Abraham. I'm the creator and host of this podcast. I'm primarily responsible for hosting episodes, writing episodes, and then also just sort of making sure this project continues to happen. I do this because it's fun. It allows me to learn a lot. It forces me to speak with deliberate and articulate elocution and to think on my feet. Also, I get to hang out with my friends, make new friends, and being perfectly transparent here, I get to constantly espouse my opinion about things, <laughs> which is the uh, reason anyone starts a podcast. I think. <laughs> and for my brunch today, I'm having some coffee. I am having some uh, fruit, a ramekin with some raspberries in it. So, so lots of fiber and diuretics, which is an odd choice for a two-hour <laughs> show. Um, but anyway, that's enough. That's enough about me. So, I would like to welcome my amazing team. I actually like to start with Alan. So, Alan, if you could introduce yourself. Sure. Thank you. My name is Alan Kinsella, based in New York City. I research for episodes and create the notes uh, and scripts for many of the episodes. I am drinking coffee from a mug with my face on it, as everyone I'm sure has in their own cabinet. <laughs> And just recently finished a honey bacon sriracha cream cheese sandwich from the local bagel shop because I'm in New York. Wow. When in Rome. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> let's go on to Justin. Good to introduce yourself. 
Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Justin. I do my best to make this podcast sound super good, edit out all the ums and stutters that I can find. And yeah, I just do it because I enjoy editing, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> and do you have brunch today? I have coffee in a mug that my nice. daughter bought for me. It says Super Dad on it, so she knows me really well. Adorable. Selena, can we ju- uh, jump to you now? Hello, hello. Yep, so I'm very excited to be here. I am the newest addition to the Why We Do What We Do crew here, and my role is to work on research, which I absolutely love doing. Today, I have a lovely coffee from a local small coffee shop, and I'm actually kind of not having too much to eat right now because I'm saving up for later. We have a delicious paella that we're cooking, which is a huge nice. meal for anyone who uh, maybe hasn't had that yet. But when you cook it, you cook a lot and it's delicious. So just having some coffee for right now and very excited for some paella later. Awesome. Lovely. That sounds amazing. Uh, paella is great. And uh, Shane. All right. Hey, everyone. I'm Shane. I typically, as of late, have been one of the main co-hosts here at Why We Do What We Do. I joined on because, why did I join on? I think I, we were, I was just looking to collaborate on something in, in the group that we're working in, and it just happened to be that I ended up on the podcast. I am drinking orange juice because it's noon where I'm at out of a mug that I drew myself for our friends over at Operant Coffee. Big shout out to Beth over there. And I've got a little bit of yogurt, and that's my midday brunch. And it is Florida orange juice. Yes, absolutely. It has to be. It has to be where I'm at. So, And then finally, we have Amber. Hi, everyone. Yes, my name is Amber, and I'm um, behind the scenes on social media, so you might be interacting with me if you're online at all. I joined Why We Do What We Do just because I was so interested in the topic just in general. I love to study people and question why we do what we do, study the variables that influence our behavior. That's why I chose to become a behavior analyst and this podcast was in line with all of that. And so I'm privileged and honored to be part of the team and, and be connecting with you all on social media. Awesome. Very cool. So that is that is the crew. Thank you all for joining me today. As we transition to our next segment, I actually like to give all of our guests a moment to just sort of say hello and introduce themselves and then we'll uh They'll, they'll also have opportunity to uh, have a lot more of a platform later. But let's start with Stu Law, who's been with us before. If you could introduce yourself, just say hi. Hi, my name is Stu Law. There's a one in 66 chance that if you've watched exactly one episode of the show, <laughs> you've heard my voice. Great. And then we have, of course, famed Matt Sicoria. Famed, that's uh, <laughs> it's got to be a big asterisk after that, I suppose. But uh, I am uh, really uh, excited to be here with you guys. Uh, my name is Matt Sicoria. I host a podcast called Behavioral Observations. My day job, I'm a behavior analyst. I live in New Hampshire and consult to schools when they are open in <laughs> New Hampshire and Vermont. And I've been a behavior analyst about 21 years or so. So it's been fun to see the field kind of blow up right before my eyes yeah yeah i can imagine all right and uh ryan what's up y'all uh really excited to be here excited about 200 episodes that's insane i was involved with the podcast and pretty heavily in the beginning first year year and a half or so and then slid back and i don't know i'm a digital nomad i just kind of i describe things i create a lot of stuff online video is kind of like a medium i'm super interested in that i've been chasing creating behavior analytics stuff so that's me thanks for having me here yeah thanks for joining us great Hey, Alan, do you have a, do you have a, a more you know? I do, since you ask. <laughs> In a deleted scene from the Bible, Jesus told the disciples, 
Love thy neighbor, but not thy captor, unless thy captor ordered pizza for the hostages. The more you know. <laughs> thank you, thank you. All right, so let's give a, a platform here. Stu is a big fan of comedy, and he's a guy that people will often turn to when they want someone to host something or MC something because he's he's a fun guy. He's really bright and is is racking up accomplishments in the sort of publication and research world. Longtime friend of mine since my the beginning of my journey in behavior analysis, which as far as I can tell was the beginning of my uh, my life as it is. So. I've known Stu since I was born behavior analytically. So Stu, the platform is yours. Cool. You said 10 minutes. And so I just sort of took that as a invitation to rant and rave like a lunatic, I think more <laughs> than be funny. So last time I was on the show, I was talking about psychedelic assisted therapy. Yeah. And then I think the time before that, we did an episode on humor. And from for both episodes, we sort of took like this extended evolutionary approach of like the science that we're trying to apply to those phenomena were sort of from the perspective of extended evolutionary science. So like, you know, so why do we laugh from like an evolutionary standpoint and why might psychedelic experiences be useful from uh, an evolutionary approach as well? So I was going to talk today actually about ideographic analysis and the importance of analyzing the level of the individual but i woke up this morning and decided not to do that and so <laughs> this is going to be very uh, less structured than i had planned i had written a whole script about this ideographic thing but i think uh, you're just going to have to have me back for that i'm going to invite myself back for <laughs> one every 50 episodes or so rad to talk about why i hate statistics basically and why i think statistics can lead to scientific dogma and things like that that's what i was gonna rant rave like a lunatic about but instead, what I want to rant and rave like a lunatic about is how crazy memes are. <laughs> memes control the world all of a sudden. So, you know, as somebody who's sort of interested in relational frame theory and what's going on and, you know, how language impacts our behavior, memes run the world now and it's bananas right so you have so many examples yeah so ryan you know chimed in like elon musk as much of a i'm not a fan you know <laughs> i'm not a fan uh of the man but he understands how memes work right and so he's made a lot of money because he knows meme culture and he's in tune with the current metas and how metas shift in the, the current environment. And so I wanted to just talk really quickly and like, I don't know, uh, rant about uh, how insane it is that we live in a world where communication and communities are really rooted in common interests and metas and themes. And, you know, land and those kinds of things that have typically dictated cultures are kind of dissolving and so the world is becoming an increasingly small place and you know back when we were kids memes were things like you know you'd say my wife all the time right to your friends after watching a movie and you would quote dumb and dumber uh, ad nauseum to the <laughs> you know you would annoy your parents by talking like happy gilmore or you know things like that were sort of what memes were when we were kids and they they evolved kind of slowly right like a new movie would kind of take over and then you'd be saying my wife like borat for like six months after that but in the current environment and the way that we have structured like 
ability to access language and memes and metas, these things evolve so quickly. And so one, that's just interesting to me. Two, I think it's something that we need to uh, consider carefully with regard to our own mental health. Sitting inside of like memes and language uh, is kind of exhausting, right? Keeping up like doom scrolling is exhausting. And I think it highlights the importance of mindfulness exercises and the ability to kind of step away from our language functions. That's not terribly funny, but you know, <laughs> it's relevant. I think, I think one thing that we as a human species are going to need to learn very quickly. And one thing we're going to have to adapt to is this just insane inundation of language. You know, there's a reason why uh, the 200th episode is important, you know, to kind of bring it back to that. It means that people have kind of committed to memes and cultures and they've evolved with the podcast. And there's a reason why we're thankful to the audiences that listen to us, which is we understand that the world is a busy place and that there are lots of, we are constantly inundated with language. And so there's a bit of us that when we become a part of that noise, when we are that noise that inundates the screen, we we're thankful that people listen and we understand that we're a little bit like apologetic about have about contributing to the noise. Right. And so you kind of have to feel like you have something important enough to say for people to listen and to send notifications and to add to the noise that is people's everyday lives. Also hilarious. So yeah, memes are bananas right now. The fact that the economy and things impact our lives in the way that they do, the fact that you do, you know, you, send pictures of rockets and all of a sudden the economy is about to collapse is kind of uh, where we're at in society. And I couldn't help but talk about it. Uh, and so I, you know, that whole ideographic thing that I was going to talk about kind of went to the wayside. Yeah. So uh, take care of yourself. Step away from language every once in a while, like go on a walk. <laughs> I think there's uh, something to that, you know, acquire the skill sets to tune out noise. I think is is going to be a really important thing in the world in the upcoming era. Um, after you listen to this, of course, <laughs> and you can you know practice those skills. I think that's it. Oh, also, you know what? Behavior analysts need to get better at memes. Speaking of which, <laughs> I, our meme game is so weak; it's like uh, nauseating. You know, shots fired. I won't name names, but if you post memes professionally, well, semi-professionally. <laughs> not impressed so far you know there's only one or two uh good behavioral memes and we gotta step it up because this is our kind of our business like if you're familiar with the you know rft and things like that you think we'd uh, figure out ways to be good at these things maybe i should put my money where my mouth is and make memes <laughs> but our meme game is weak i'm saying it right now hot takes <laughs> got it kind of started with a you know what really grinds my gears yeah, I, I mean, how do you not when somebody just like talk for ten minutes? You're gonna do a, you know what really grinds my ears, like, right? Right. I, I don't know. That's the only place I knew how to go to. So I'll get you know. It. <laughs> it's hard to shake hands these days. It used to be that you didn't know if someone's hand had a little bit of pee on it. Now it might have some COVID and some pee. One day we'll get back to just pee. You don't know the good times when you're in them. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's actually move on then to our next amazing guest. I have wanted to have an episode with Matt Sicoria for so long. I'm so happy to have him here. Matt, could you tell everyone about what you do? If you if you could actually tell your origin story, that'd be amazing. 
and then sort of future directions of the podcast origin story as it as it relates to the show <laughs> or like uh, <laughs> the womb was dark uh, <laughs> when when two people love each other very much um, <laughs> a matt Scoria happens um, <laughs> yeah so basically uh I got out of graduate school. I kind of got out of a, a, a pro, kind of left a doc program early because uh, for a variety of reasons, but I had to attend to some family issues. And so that was back in 1999, believe it or not. And so I started looking around for the jobs that were available at the time with a master's degree in experimental psychology, because at the time there were really no behavior analytic programs because it hasn't really defined itself as a distinct discipline. At the time, there weren't a lot of jobs available. Like you had to look high and low. And I try to impart this anytime I have someone on the show who's been in the field for a while, because to contrast that with these days where we have this embarrassment of riches, that if you're on the BACB mailing list, that you get headhunted for jobs multiple times a week, sometimes multiple times a day. It's it's just crazy to see the field explode. You know, I uh, became certified in 2002. And at the time, my uh, office mate, who was also a classmate of mine from Auburn, Dr. Cheryl Ecott, she was like, hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to do this with me? We were just talking about like preparing and studying for the exam. And I was like, ah, I guess, you know, <laughs> so we studied together and we took the exam and my cert number is 755. Wow. And yeah, yeah. So that's just a long way of saying I'm old. <laughs> um, but anyway, fast forward quite a bit. In 04, I moved to New Hampshire and started working with various, uh, at the time, adults with developmental disabilities, and then started doing some school consultation. And in 2007, I started doing that in private practice because there, there were just no behavior analysts in New Hampshire. And when I moved here in 04, I think I was like one of three or four behavior analysts at the time. And as a result, uh, I found myself driving all over the state, just crisscrossing New Hampshire and and uh, parts of Vermont, sometimes way down into Massachusetts. I live in kind of like the, I don't know, middle of the state. So you can go down to Massachusetts is, you know, is a bit of a ride. And it's a very rural state. And so I found myself at the time just hitting the scan button on the radio and it would just scroll through the entire FM band, you know, and maybe stop at a couple of places on like a country station. And that's just, you know, no offense. Anyone likes country. It's just not my thing. Understandable. It, you know, I mean, to, to each their own, certainly. And um, I uh, discovered the medium of podcast kind of accidentally and you know, shortly after getting my first iPhone 4S. And uh, it was it was badass, I must say. But uh, anyway, so I started listening to all these. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, what is this space age technology? Because like, I remember like if I was listening to like NPR or, you know, sports radio or something like that, if I happened to be able to get that in and I'd pull up to a school to go to a meeting or something like that, I'd be in my car, like just waiting for like the last second before I can get out of the you know car to get into the building. Now I've got this technology where I can actually hit pause and it's going to be at the same place when I come back. And and I say that now, and I think a lot of people just don't understand like how different that was than 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 what was available at the time with you know listening to things like terrestrial radio and whatnot. So anyway, all that to say is that I started diving deep into podcasts and listening to things that are also of interest to me. And then I started wondering like what if there's got to be something that can kind of enhance my practice. I'm spending, you know, at least an hour 
each way every day in the car, sometimes more depending on where I was going. And there's got to be something out there that is related in the ABA world that I can kind of capitalize on and make this time more valuable. And at the time, there were, this is around 2015 ish, 2014, 2015 ish. And at the time, there were no, to my knowledge, no ABA type podcasts that were actively recorded at the time. I do have to give some shout outs to, you know, the two noteworthy kind of pioneers. And that would be uh, Rick Cabina and the folks at the uh, Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis. They did some podcasts kind of in fits and starts. Yeah. Probably back when you had to like put them on an iPod. You know, right. So I always like to mention that because I don't like to, you know, sometimes people say, well, behavioral observations was, was the first ABA podcast. And I, I really want to be the, the first person to disabuse people of that. But anyway, so yeah, I, I, at the same time, I had this itch of kind of wanting to communicate behavior analysis in a new media way, you know, whether it was a blog or a YouTube channel and things like that. And quickly realized that writing a quality blog was enormously time consuming. Yeah, for sure. If you want to do it well, for those people who are consistent bloggers, I have the utmost admiration for them. The same thing with a YouTube channel. You know, I see the stuff that Ryan does and it just blows me away. And I know having, you know, known Ryan for a few years now, how much work he puts into it and how much time it takes to just make something look great. Uh, And I knew I did not have that amount of time. And then I kind of also at the same time as I was discovering podcasts, I was thinking about, wow, you know, I really got into like the long form interview type of podcast, like the, like the Tim Ferriss show. I enjoyed how there were no time limits or anything like that. There was no format. It was just a open-ended conversation with someone who had deep knowledge in one particular topic area. So I kind of decided on that medium. And I had a buddy of mine, John Corley. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's a coder. He's a data scientist. And he was kind of like my chief cheerleader. And I, I have to give John credit because if he did not actively kick me in the butt to, to make this happen and help me with some of the technical aspects of it, it would have remained a daydream. you know. And so I started recording episodes in the summer of 2015. And I recorded probably like six or seven of them before launching the show. And uh, the show is actually turns five at the end of February. So right up, right around the corner. Yeah from where we're recording right now. So yeah, so it's been really, really crazy. And it's been a game changer career-wise. It's been a game changer in so many different ways. It's really hard to articulate. And it's it's funny because I just feel like I'm, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really struggle to kind of put it in perspective because uh, I'm just a guy who, you know, talks into a microphone in his basement. <laughs> but it's been fun to do and people seem to like it. It's been downloaded something like, you know, 2.4 million times. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it'll be two and a half million in the next probably month or two. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't understand it, but I'm incredibly grateful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of like the thumbnail sketch. I mean, I can go into on and on, but I, th- I think that probably gives people the the, the kind of uh, how I got started with it. Yeah, I mean, that's great. When I started listening, it was definitely before we started. I had tried to start a podcast years before, but I was like, I'm going to do this essentially audio version of a blog 
by myself with no help whatsoever. And there was just no, like, unless I wanted to do that full time, there was no way that was going to happen. Oh, that is, and, and I think it's important to kind of pause right there and let the audience know how friggin' hard it is to talk into a microphone by yourself. Yeah. To nobody. Yeah. And I think one of the cheats, if you will, uh, or uh, one of the ways in which behavioral observations became successful is because I always had a conversational partner and that conversational partner had expertise in a topic area that I was insanely curious about. So yeah. from my perspective, it was I had a much easier lift. So I know people out there, and for those of you who are doing podcasts that are more monologue in nature, you know, just like the credit I would give to a, a blogger or a YouTuber, man, hats off to you because that is a difficult thing to do and to do it in a way that captures the attention and maintains the capture of that attention of an audience it is a is an entirely different skill set yeah well i mean just to cut my part short on this i think you were very inspirational seeing how you you took to this form and it's just like it continued to just it seems like it's just on an upward trajectory nonstop. And I felt like I was getting what you were doing pretty quickly. Felt like uh, it was the show was really picking up its stride. It feels like you've started to increase your release schedule a little bit more from where it used to be. And you've just been, it just seems like you've been putting in the work to really make just an incredible show. I love your podcast. It's definitely one of my favorites. On that, as you mentioned, for those who don't who don't listen to the behavior observations, which I'm almost positive everyone who's here does, um, but in case that you don't, you should listen to behavior observations. It's it's really really good. What do you look for in a guest when when you're when you're trying to find somebody? You mentioned sort of an expert, but how do you go about finding those people? It's changed over the years for sure. When I first started the show, depending on who I was reaching out to, I would say, hey, you know, I'd, I'd do some cold emails to some folks, and and. I would say, hey, you know, my name's Matt Sakura. I'm a behavior analyst in New Hampshire, and I have this podcast. It's like an internet radio show, <laughs> you know. So I have to kind of in the pitch, kind of explain what a podcast was because the, uh, you know, going back several years, now it's it's relatively ubiquitous. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's quite universal yet, but it's approaching that certainly. Yeah, but in 2015 and 2016, it was not for sure, and quite frankly, you know, the aba podcasting scene was in its infancy for sure yeah and so you know i had to do a lot of reaching out to folks and these days i get as much kind of inbound requests as as me reaching out to people oh cool. and so i get people pitching me shows and stuff like that it's funny too i don't know if you guys have gotten this but uh, i think there, there are professional pitchers out there yes mm -hmm. All the and time. it's like, uh, it's really funny. Like, you know, uh, oh, my client would love, would be a great guest for your show, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's really hilarious. It's like, yeah, you've probably never listened to my show. And, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, thanks, yeah. but no thanks. And because it's something kind of like way out of left field, you know. So, yeah. Um, so I get some inbound requests. So I, I don't know. I kind of follow things that are of interest to me. And I'm, you know, I guess curious about a lot of things. And I, I don't have a lot of shows about teaching mans and tax to little kids with autism. I have some shows like that and I kind of stay, I don't, I don't purposely stay away with it. And I do have some shows coming up that we'll be talking about like, you know, classic verbal behavior stuff and whatnot. Cause I think there's a lot of that information out there and that's what a lot of people do in their day to day. And so if there's a way that I can showcase behavior analysis differently in a different light, I really, really enjoy doing that. You know, I, I mean, I consult to oftentimes to individuals with with challenging behaviors. So that's always going to be an area that I, I'm interested in. 
you know, that's why I've always, you know, had folks like Greg Hanley on the show numerous times to come back and share, you know, he and his, you know, colleagues approach to doing what they do. And, you know, some of the things I've gotten interested in over the years, like acceptance and commitment therapy and things like that, have a lot of shows on that. What's interesting too, and this is super gratifying, is that, you know, people will email me and say things like, you know, I never knew about act until I heard your podcast, or I never knew wow. about fill in the blank until your podcast. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It, it's like, again, I, like I, I really have to pinch myself. It's a, it's incredibly gratifying and yeah. And you know, uh, yeah. So I, I, like I said, I could go on about that, but th- those are, those are the things sure. that I'm curious about. But uh, one thing you, I want to go back to really quick is uh, just out of curiosity, we get the vast majority of requests that we get are from hypnotists for some reason. <laughs> Do we overlap in that way at all? Are you I don't a lot think of so. That would have stuck okay. in my memory, I think. Okay. No, usually like these are like life coaches or uh, not like, you know, okay. and I don't want to disparage life coaches. If, you know, I, th- I think there's a, in fact, I might do a show about life coaching with a behavior analyst who does that coming up. I just think, you know, the, the term life coach, you know, there might be some respondent eye roll, you know, uh, yeah, behavior, sure. you know, at least from my learning history going on. But that's not to say that people don't need coaching and or wouldn't benefit from coaching and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no hypnotists. I don't think. <laughs> For some reason, we really attracted that, that group of people. I wonder so. what keywords they're searching. Yeah, it's got to be. I know. Yeah. Strange. I mean, we did one episode on it, so they're maybe just latching onto that. Yeah. It's really old now. Yeah. It's, it was really bizarre. Like, like we've gotten several where it's been like, we should, you should come on. And we're like, uh, should you? Like, we have those moments. It's really, <laughs> really interesting. Yeah. Like, I'm not planning to be nice to you. So <laughs> <laughs> you want to, I guess. Now, I, I was thinking about asking you about a favorite episode, but I realized that'd probably be a hard thing to answer for a lot of reasons. But instead, maybe to phrase it a little bit differently of like episodes that where you feel like you really learned something new or episodes that you've done where maybe that, that had like the most popular episodes that you've done. Yeah, I could speak to I can give you a couple examples that I think will hit a hopefully answer a couple of those questions. So <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is that the, the one that I learned the mo- uh, a lot from, uh, I give you an example. I, there's a lot that I do, of course. Uh, the one that comes to mind is when I inter- interviewed Dr. Uh, Camille Kolu uh, on trauma. She is just a phenomenal speaker and presenter. Yeah. And okay. when I was interviewing her, I slipped out of interviewing mode and into like audience mode. And I was just kind of like... <laughs> Okay. And I had to snap out of it. It's like, oh shoot, I have to, I have to ask a question here. I make a file. You know, it's like she had come to the natural conclusion of her answer and I had to like, you know, kind of like, all right, get back into the game here. You're not, a, you're not in a, an audience member in, in a, you know, and uh, so she just kind of hit quote unquote hypnotically sucked me into what she was talking about because <laughs> she's, she's so good at communicating. So that was one. Yeah. And so Picking a favorite show is kind of like, uh, you know, I have three kids. It's kind of like picking your favorite kid, you know, that, that, yeah. that the answer to that question might change. Totally get that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a moment to moment basis, you know, and, and so I don't want to give an, you know, so, but, I, you know, I, one of the things I will, I'll give you a couple of examples of things that I've, I've been really happy about in terms of the podcast. And one of them is, as of late, is I had a uh, guy named Dr. Carl Hart on the show. From, he's a professor at Columbia University. He's a behavioral neuroscientist and does research on the interactions of, of drug taking and, and various types of behavioral measures in, in 
you know, kind of healthy populations, you know, it's not like a contingency management intervention to, you know, for cessation is, you know, just basically purely pure science looking at the effects of drugs as an independent variable on some sort of, you know, operant behavior. Yeah. But he's also become an advocate, if you will, about drug policy and drug taking and things like that. And so I, I've been trying to get him on the show since before the show started. I saw him do a keynote at a conference and I was like, man, I would love to just sit down and chat with him. And I would periodically email I, about once a year, I would email him and I never, ever got a response. And I just like, he just must be like too big a fish. He's been on like the Joe Rogan podcast, like three times. Yeah. He's been on NPR. He's been, you know, in the New York times, he's been a New York times bestseller with his popular press books. Wow. He just released a new book. And so he was doing a, another round of publicity. And so he uh, finally agreed to come on the show. And that was as, as, as an interviewer, I was, I was really, uh, I, I don't really get nervous before, before interviews anymore. I was very nervous when I was interviewing him just because I was cognizant of how rare an opportunity was or how, how, you know, getting the opportunity after trying and failing to do so for a long time. You mentioned the role of psychedelics a few minutes ago and, you know, Matt, Dr. Matt Johnson from Johns Hopkins. I had a chance to interview him as well about the research that they're doing there at their institute. I think it's the MAPS Institute, if I'm not mistaken. And just some of the great work that, you know, is really the, the forefront of, of, you know, this type of research. So I've had opportunities to really stretch beyond the, the everyday realm of behavior analysis. And that's been just incredibly fun to do so. Awesome. Well, in the interest of time, um, I got one more question for you, which is what is the future of behavioral observations podcast look like for you? Do you have like a terminal goal of like when I hit like 50 years old, I'm going to stop or something? <laughs> well, 50 years old is not too far away for me uh, right now. So the answer to that question is no. <laughs> I hope I'm podcasting. Sorry, I wasn't trying to hit you. <laughs> That's right. it's, it's four years away. So uh, four and a half, <laughs> uh, three and a half. So yeah, I will uh, hopefully be podcasting, you know, as, as long as people want to listen to the show. You know, it's funny too, because I've been spending more time podcasting, self-employed, so I can kind of budget my time you know, with a little bit of flexibility. Yeah. So I've been spending a lot more of my time on the show. I've been very, very grateful to, you know, to be, and just be candid here to monetize aspects of the show that, that helps basically support me and my, the time I can spend yeah. putting it together. Cause I, I really just do it by myself. Uh, I really don't intend to spend less time doing it, I guess. You know? Yeah. So that's I'm going to try to keep doing it as long as, as people will are willing to listen to it. As far as, future directions of the show. You know, I'm kind of fond of the saying, you, you dance with the one who brought you, you know? And so like, I don't want to go changing the format too, too much. Perhaps there are some areas that in topics and things like that I could explore that I'm not exploring right now, but uh, I'm having a t just a ton of fun doing what I'm doing. Despite the fact that it seems like there's a new ABA podcast coming out every week yeah. these days, the show continues to grow and it's downloads and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, again, I'm just uh, just very, very grateful for everyone who listens to and supports the show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, uh, Matt. Are, do you have a do you have a brunch you want to share with everybody? Well, it's uh, it's one o'clock in the afternoon here in New Hampshire, so oh, it'd be a, a post lunch. That's now. right. That's right. Mm -hmm. I'm having a uh, 
an apple and ginger sparkling water uh, by AHA, not to be confused with the synth pop band from the 80s. Right. Maybe we can put, uh, you know, the little video to take on me in the show notes for this there you episode. Go. You're welcome to try your, your hand at singing that song. I would never do that. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> want people to throw their phones all at once. So, yeah. Cool. Again, thank you, Matt. And thank you, guys. And congratulations, by the way, because I, you know, 200 episodes is just an incredible milestone. And to, and to have something that comes out every single week, like like clockwork, is so much work. Yeah. I really hope the audience can appreciate that because it, it's an incredible amount of work to plan, execute, promote all that stuff and you you guys just keep doing it and so hats off to you guys congratulations so thank you yeah, so thank much you for real. um and if you can stick around we uh, i, I want to get some recommendations from you for our listeners uh regular listeners they'll remember that at the end of every episode we do recommendations so everyone's gonna get a chance to do that this time so um yeah right. thank you alan if you run a placebo condition don't color the pills blue and purple withholding the real treatment in a placebo trial isn't a dick move but asking your colorblind participant which pill they took is the more you know <laughs> that was great thank you so much all right so that brings us to our next special guest uh once very frequently and now very infrequently but still with us in spirit and sometimes even quite literally we have ryan o'donnell most people know from the daily ba probably some extent uh, i'm not sure how, how active you've been with the controversial exchange oh and also everyone ryan is getting over an illness one that maybe some people have heard for, heard about. Yeah, I woke up with uh, some chills two Wednesdays ago, and I was like, I don't feel very good. And by noon, I had to cancel my day, and I was in bed. And I got the test, and it was COVID-19. So I'm still recovering from that. I sound a little nasally. <laughs> and Justin has a lot of cutting and editing to do behind the scenes of the lingering cold. It explains why you were eating a bowl of uh, dried leaves, because you couldn't taste the difference. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's been gone for 10 days. I can kind of taste the difference between like salty, sweet. Avoid this stuff if you can, y'all. Straight up. Thanks for coming back, Ryan. What I wanted you to talk about while you were here, because you sort of spend your time really being in the sort of present of what's going on in the world. So I wanted to get your your pulse of what's going on in the field and sort of in the world at large. <laughs> yeah, so this can change like by the hour, depending on if I'm doom scrolling and how I'm doing on my strategies that Stu talked about, it can wildly change. So I'm peeking at my notes here when you first asked me this and my first answer was just chaos. Like it's absolutely insane. And I think a lot of where we could potentially dive into it more is what Stu was talking about. But the just the fact that we have so many blatant lies that are acceptable and listened to by the American public and the clear, I don't know how to say, okayness that we see globally with like authoritarianism and that this this information age doesn't seem to be combating that necessarily, like making it better. I don't know. It's just it's it's nuts. Like social injustices are everywhere. Our science is just getting better and better at how to start to handle these sort of things, but we can't like seem to make it all fit together on a large scale. And so it's super concerning. And I've just been really fascinated the last year, really the last year since COVID-19 started, on just trying to read and understand, I guess, a little bit about like meme culture. And then just looking at these from different perspectives of like, how would an economist look at this? How would someone in social psychology look at this? How would anthropology look at this? And just reading across different perspectives of 
of how do we start to handle these things. I don't know if I've, I know what to do with it yet, but sure. I feel like I understand a lot of different perspectives. You know, I've used the, the downtime, I guess, to try to really read and understand from as many different fields as I can, how they look at these large scale social issues that we face. But it all ties back into like, you know, why are we not acting to save the world by Skinner and others and behavior analysis. So it all has these same harmonizing themes and everyone's just looking at it a little bit differently. So I don't know, like there's, I think there's some things to be optimistic for, but I think you have to understand how to leverage technology and like the tools of today. That could be a meme, that could be learning how to operate and understand how to create code and different solutions via that. But like that's, that seems to be where the opportunity lies to be able to affect change and where a lot of the sources of the issues are ever since the beginning of the internet. So I guess one that's been fascinating for me that I've been really looking into, I think uh, is pretty promising is just technologies built around blockchain, which most people know about cryptocurrencies and might know some of the buzzwords associated with that with Bitcoin and such. But there's a technology that underlies like these cryptocurrencies that's actually made to try to systemically solve some of these social injustices and, and dis disparities amongst class that I think is pretty fascinating. So anyhow, I've been consuming a lot in that area and I almost feel like stuck, like, like, like there's answers out there, but I don't know how to, I don't know how we're going to like coordinate to make it happen. So that's, that's where I'm at currently. Like what, what do we do next? <laughs> as like a giant societal intervention, right? Right. Maybe it's just really teaching people how to understand language like Stu was talking about. That'd probably be a good first step. <laughs> Fair. More of a, a Dogecoin guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bringing up memes, man. <laughs> it's insane. That's great. So most of us have, uh, and most people even listening, have already had an experience of sort of what they've had to do to adapt their world to a, to a, COVID, a COVID world. What are you seeing sort of across the board, Ryan, in terms of like how people are doing research, academia, like how, how people run their lives online or uh, what have you seen different with the new COVID era? I think one of the biggest successes, uh, this is a little bit of a joke here, is like we, the world knows how to run Zoom and operate their mute button now. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have, and we have realized how to like run our life completely online or at least as much as we need to, to be able to like succeed and like keep moving forward at least. I think one of the large trends is a lot of people realized that they could run a lot of things online. They didn't need to necessarily do things the way that they were doing before. Some on the other side of that is pretty interesting. Like our field moving largely into telehealth. I've been like wildly skeptical of in the back end. Seems like a, a great opportunity for procedures to be lacking or falling apart. It seems like a, a great opportunity for people to not have the contingencies they need to be able to like be reporting correct hours and, and, and different billing issues to be occurring. Like when you change an entire format in which service delivery happens overnight, it, it can cause a lot of chaos, especially when people are learning and teaching their staff the next day for what they learned the night before to be able to implement it. And I get that everyone's doing the best they can. But yeah. It's, I think we're going to have those things where you have some documentary type pieces and other things that come out three, five, you know, 10 years down the road that are like, hey, this, this didn't work out like we thought it was going to. So I'm just kind of like worried and hold my breath on some of those sort of things. So for example, like in the news right now is a piece circulating around how New York State wasn't reporting their numbers on the number of cases 
that were confirmed deaths in COVID-19 from their residential settings. And it's stuff like that where it just seems like the, the accurate picture might be a little later down the road. But yeah, what else? So specifically like in the field that I've been working in and the stuff that I've been doing, like it was pretty much within, you know, weeks that TV stations, uh, other production companies were having to completely rethink how do they make sure that people are safe? How are, you know, what are the practices? Uh, we had to completely redo our procedures to make it to where it's just completely contactless between anybody that we're interviewing. We're going outside, mask protocols, temperature checks, and acknowledgement of a little bit of like things that we couldn't control. So like myself and the other videographer, we're interacting with the same equipment and getting really close to each other when it comes to recording certain things. So there's some risks that we had to take and just making sure that that was like super clear for everybody. So some of this is stuff that we probably should have been doing in the forefront with some respect. So I'm interested to see what sticks around. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know an industry or something that's that's that hasn't changed. Right. I mean, like academia is one that you asked about. Just like the publication process, we sat down with Jonathan Tarbox to ask him about how that was going, and and they were working on emergency review and publication for a COVID nineteen series in the behavior analysis and practice, and people were getting uh, drafts and they were getting them hosted online within twenty four or forty eight hours. And these are folks that are, you know. These are folks that are volunteering their time, you know, crunching these edits out and reviews out late at night, early in the morning while juggling the pandemic, the uncertainties of it, of it starting in, you know, March of last year in April. So it was pretty, it was pretty crazy to see how fast some of the process could go, (laughs) especially for those that publish. I don't, but I do know that the process, you know, can take anywhere from 18 months to three years sometimes to get something out there and publish. And you're talking about things that are getting published within weeks from ideation to the final paper form. So there's there's like so many cool successes, I think, to champion. And you have to look into each industry. And then there's things that are that are potentially concerning. And hopefully we as a community are, are going to step back and watch some of those concerning things. I have found myself using hashtag COVID silver lining frequently with things like that, because it I have seen it in my own experience really force people to have to like pick up technology and learn how to use it and transform, transform their, their practice to a platform that yeah. they probably could have been using all along. Cause like all these resources have existed for a while Yeah, and now their businesses actually run a little bit more efficiently. Yeah. I know for where I work, we've had a lot less cancellations due to lateness, traffic, sick days, because uh, that's gone because everything's virtual. So, you know, people log on from their pajamas and get rolling. But I was going to ask also, you, you sort of mentioned this, but a parallels that you see to sort of the movie industry, TV industry, that sort of thing and what you're doing. I guess the the internet bro that picks up a camera and goes running around trying to create videos like I do versus that industry are could not be farther apart on like how the production works for example i've got like a two thousand dollar camera to five thousand dollar camera setup depending on what i'm doing that i run around with the minimum camera that most hollywood productions are using is a quarter million dollars just for like their base setup of what they're doing and that's before you have all of the the fancy crazy stuff that goes on they don't just use iphones now (laughs) there have been a few (laughs) shot on there just to prove a point but the things that you can do with those large-scale productions are unbelievable and that's why you get people that make just unbelievable films um, but I bring that up just because there's there's a pretty solid rift between the two communities, and it's just because they 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 just have completely entire, entirely different environments from funding, the gear that they use, who they work with, etc. What we had done specifically for our smaller scale stuff is 
we're talking about a production with three or four people and it went from instead of getting everybody together you know in an enclosed space i, I guess to paint the picture the difference between the two is january last year we got some folks together there's eight or ten of us on an enclosed space not socially distanced at the six foot rule you know sitting on the same couch watching footage and, and talking interacting ideating and recording these sort of things and then matter of four months later i'm recording the same spot but we have doors open we've got people staggered in making sure that people aren't interacting with each other everybody masked up temperature checks like i said and it was just it was just night and day difference now the the full-scale production teams I know are having to follow even more. Some of them were even setting up complete rapid testing on site every day to make sure that they had the, the most amount of information they could, I guess, to make those safety decisions where we weren't afforded that luxury at the time that we were recording because it wasn't available or we just approached it a little bit of a different way. So yeah, I don't know. There's there's some behind the scenes things that maybe I can find uh, to send if people wanted to see what that looks like. I haven't experienced that production side <laughs> of the Hollywood level stuff. I've just seen what's been reported. If you could post them to our Facebook page, I think that'd be really yeah. cool. Um, people can take a look at that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. Uh, thanks for coming back and joining us. Hopefully we'll get to have your voice a little bit more on future episodes when you've got the time. What are you having for brunch or breakfast or lunch? I today? had this lovely thing. It's called the Perfect Bar. They are these nice little like meal replacements. I love them. So I had that and then a little bit of coffee. And I just want to say thanks again for having me on. Super stoked. 200 episodes is unbelievable. <laughs> like that's like the... like. To, to echo Matt and others, the to get that cadence on a weekly publication, yeah, there's probably not many podcasts that have ever done that. Like you're, you're probably in the 1% that's that's consistently kept that schedule up to 200. So it's to the moon. It's to the moon. Keep going. Thank you, sir. I could not do it without my team. Yeah, it, it does. It definitely takes a team. We were laughing. One of my favorite things about putting all this episode together, though, and I have to I have to share it with you, was the idea of having you on as a guest and not as part of the crew. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that as we were kind of putting it together, we we're like, how great would that be to be like invite Ryan on as like somebody who's not been on the podcast before? So yeah, but that's like to, that's that's a hundred percent how it should be right now. I've done zero <laughs> to help outside of pushing. You know, like hey, this person's interested, and I think. I can like you know I can vouch for them and I think that that it'll help the team out far better than I will. So yeah, no, I'm 100% comfortable being there because the the project's always been a you know pay tribute and respect to those that have put in the work and I haven't put in work for years. Let's be honest. Well, uh, <laughs> so keep no, it, was, it up. <laughs> it was a fun little troll. We we're like this will be this will yeah. be great. <laughs> it feels yeah I know I agree I agree with you. It just feels right too. Like like you say it that way. <laughs> I wouldn't want any different, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it made me chuckle really hard, and it was just fun. Yeah, so th thanks, thanks again, and um, and yeah, let's move move on to our next thing. Many people suffer from imposter syndrome and believe they're not special or haven't accomplished anything. Others just aren't special and haven't accomplished anything, but haven't figured it out yet. It could always be worse. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. All right, so. We, as you guys have mentioned, we're just so, I'm very proud of, of this crew. I'm proud of, uh, of this podcast. The fact that we made it to 200 episodes and the fact that we've gotten into the, a system that has allowed us to do that. And with a, with a team of people that has allowed us to do that is really remarkable, but there are lots of other things that made it to 200. So I would like to segue now to our new writer to introduce Selena Schilling, who has been just a fantastic contribution to our team. She had this wonderful idea to look at some other 200s that have happened. All right. So the first question is just to kind of get some engagement here. How's everyone doing? 
Here in the Midwest in Chicago, we've got a lot of snow that just dumped on us. So uh, feeling a little sore from some shoveling. Uh, but overall, let's see, we got some responses of energetic, good, friggin' sweet, thrilled, and swell. So thank you very much here for letting us know how you're doing. So then the next question coming up here, just kind of curious to get some engagement here. What's the average number of episodes that you've listened to of why we do what we do? How much do we need to kind of convince you to come on down and listen to some more episodes here? So we've got some responses of 200, 400. Wow, I would love the 400 count. What episodes have you been listening to? We've got 12 here. Perfect. This is really good. Just kind of exciting to see where we're at with some viewers and how to kind of get, get you to kind of further listen in with some fantastic episodes that have been recorded and put out there. We got 50, 75 now. Perfect. Really, really exciting to see. There are quite a few episodes to choose from, uh, and there's quite an array of topics as well. So continuing on with that, where in the world are you watching from right now? Where are you at? What location are you watching or listening from right now? So Oregon, Toronto, and I feel like my Midwest accent is really coming out because I just said Oregon and not the other way of how other people, I guess, say that. Toronto, Remo, Sor Remo, Sriracha. <laughs> so we've kind of got kind of a really good broad uh, base here for some viewers, which is exciting. So this was said earlier, if you joined in early on, how many episodes are currently released at the moment? So the options are 201. 194, 192, or 199. So, so far, 194 has the most responses, and that would be correct. There currently are 194 episodes. This is recording for the 200th, which will be very exciting to have released and put out there. And to, to help for people who are looking at episode 193, we released a bonus episode. We've released some episodes that I think pushed us technically over the, the number that we're at that weren't numbered. So, yeah. All right. So which of the so this is a question on uh, which of the following is the longest running scripted U.S. primetime television series here? The options are Law and Order SVU, The Simpsons or Family Guy. And truth be told, I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons when I was younger. This was a show that was banned from my household and I was not allowed to watch it. So I unfortunately missed quite a few episodes early on. Okay, so, so far we have The Simpsons getting some of the most votes here, and that would be correct. So The Simpsons, as of now, there are 695 episodes. This is a show that's been ran since 1989. Let's see here. Law and Order SVU, that uh, is a third place here. That has 484 episodes that ran from 1999 to 2010. And the second longest running scripted show uh, is not an option on here, but it's a show that I unfortunately don't know much about either. It's called Gunsmoke, and it ran from 1955 mm. to 1975, and there are 635 episodes of that show. I don't know much wow. else on it to tell you. I believe it's a Western, <laughs> but that is the second longest running show there. I'd be willing to bet that Law & Order has technically more minutes than, than Simpsons. And probably Gunsmoke put together, because those are not short episodes. That it could be true, but that was not the question asked. Based on minutes, <laughs> it was just the longest running scripted series. <laughs> okay, so then the next question is, true or false? 
The Office has less than 200 episodes. I know there's probably quite a few Office fans here. It's one of my uh, favorite go-to shows. And I was very uh, saddened when it was taken off of Netflix. But alas, we needed to move on from that. Indeed. The correct answer for this is that The Office has less than 200 episodes. That is false. It actually has 201 episodes. It just reached over the threshold of 201. Wow. The finale of it, which was quite wonderful. We got to see Dwight's wonderful wedding. Um, I guess spoiler if you haven't watched it, but (laughs) they do end up getting married, Angela and Dwight. Have to end a series with a wedding. It's critical. It was, yes. So this is uh, this is another show that I was not allowed to watch and couldn't watch when I was younger either. Um, we did not have cable. But when did South Park's 200th episode release? I should know this. I feel like I remember what season that was in. I used to be an avid watcher of South Park. I do not know much else about it other than when it hits the comedy late night shows and they talk about it in some way. Yeah. That's about it. So this was, uh, I guess, an interesting episode. I personally have not seen it, but it was titled 200. And it was released in 2010. So that was when that episode was released. Got it. It was a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll episode. I couldn't tell you much else on it. So I'm glad you you know more on it to help kind of guide what that episode was about. All right. So this is pulling from the episode 97. I'm sorry why we apologize. How long will it take? For a person on average to say 200 apologies. I remember that episode, but I don't remember this number. <laughs> I remember that episode because uh, it immediately started with Abraham apologizing to me going, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that I myself am working on reducing. I do apologize quite often uh, and I need to work on reducing that. So on average, the average person apologizes 2,920 times a year. And so breaking down from that number, on average, it will take one month for a person to, on average, state um, 200 apologies. From this survey that was conducted, one out of eight people apologize 20 times a day. So then it would obviously take much shorter for that person to reach 200 apologies. So pulling from uh, the 161 episode, Board Games, so just kind of sticking with the theme of games. How many more years until Nintendo turns 200? The options are 43, 69, 75, or what? Isn't it 200 already? (laughs) And I feel like this will be a good ode to any 90s kid growing up. You know, there is a lot of nostalgic game playing that occurred. If you were fortunate enough to have a Game Boy, super cool. If you had the colored screen Game Boys. Uh, then there was Super Nintendo, Nintendo DS, and now there is the Wii and Nintendo Switch. So the answer here is, the answer is 43, actually. Oh, zero people got it. Yeah, the company was founded in 1889, and there is a wonderful kind of historical lineage that occurs. Um, some of it also introduces because one of the founders did not produce a son. So that was quite interesting to kind of find out about, and it then had to be bestowed to his son-in-law. And there was some name changes as well, but it was officially founded in 1889. So it only needs 43 more years to celebrate their bicentennial anniversary. And Nintendo never disappoints. So I'm going to be curious to see what they come out with then. A console that'll be sold out for another 200 years. Yeah, or it's just kind of price gouged and it's three times the price of it. It's like, good gosh. (laughs) 
All right. So this is pulling from the episode of talking about finances here. So when did the $200 bill stop in production? The options are 1989, never existed, 1974, or 1969. The $200 bill has never existed. (laughs) This is not a bill in circulation. It never was. I don't think it ever will be. Some fun history here. There was a $500 bill and a $1,000 bill. Those were discontinued in 1969. And if you happen to be fortunate enough to ever come across one, hold on to it because its value is far more than the face value of $500 or $1,000. There are some collectors who will purchase those for twice to three times the amount of the face value of that. So So it's almost like a a GameStop stock now. (laughs) Yeah, very true. (laughs) So pulling from the episodes, the political party series, episodes 174 to 177, which are fantastic. I think uh, please do check those out. How many more years until the Democratic Party celebrates their bicentennial anniversary? So the options are, it's already 200 years old, of course. Five, seven, or 10? And this is apparently one of the oldest uh, political parties, established political parties. So this is something that I did not know as much as I thought I knew on it. So it was founded in 1828. So it needs seven more years. And it will celebrate its bicentennial uh, anniversary there. And for those who are curious, the Republican Party was established in 1856. So there's a few more years for that party just to play fair with all. That is what's needed for there. And again, I highly recommend to check out those episodes, 174 to 177. Sheen and Abraham review over the Democratic Party, Republican, Green Party, and I believe the Liberal Party as well. Libertarian, yeah. Yep. Wonderful episodes. All right. And the last question here. How excited are we for a new year full of why we do what we do episodes? So 200 and continuing on. How excited are we? You'll also be seeing some fun research that (laughs) I've been putting out there specifically on the Donner Party and then on Pavlov. So I've been working on those two. So we've got very excited and another response that demonstrates excitement as well. Um, (laughs) Pumped. Very excited. So yeah, I'm. I it is absolutely wonderful that uh, you know the podcast here has consecutively put out 200 episodes. There are very very few podcasts that are able to make it to this marker, and then with such consistency. So hat, you know, I really tip my hat to you all, and I'm excited to be one of the newest members joining the crew here, and very excited to see where this takes us. Thank you for everyone who participated in this. It was great to see your responses. Thank you so much, Selena. That was amazing. That was super fun. Many young Americans don't know how to file taxes, obtain insurance, or open a 401k. Studies show that when you do indeed open that 401k, there will not, in fact, be $401,000 deposited. The more you know. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you, sir. All right. So that brings us to basically last major segment of the show. Thank you so much for those of you who are still hanging in with us. This is going to be interactive. We are doing a Kahoot. So if you have never done Kahoot before, this is a really fun online sort of trivia game. Shane is going to be leading this. Everyone in, in here is welcome to join in, although we might have an unfair advantage. Um, this is a trivia about why we do what we do episodes. And so we'll, we'll give everyone a, a moment to log in. Shane, if you want to go ahead and start your, your screen share here. 
The way this works, by the way, is whatever device you're using to watch this, you just open a browser, go to kahoot.it, and you'll type in code. It'll ask you for a screen name. That's the game pin right there that you'll need to enter. And then uh, once you're, you're all signed in, Shane will be able to, to launch this. And you can play along with us, have some fun with why we do what we do trivia. And if you, if you get them wrong, then you, you can't listen anymore. Just kidding. <laughs> That's the rule we established. So this is a this is part of our new series on weeding people out and making this not accessible to anybody. So here's what we're going to do going forward is make this really difficult for you to listen to. Yeah, no, we're really excited about this. I do have to say a big thank you to Alan for helping put together some of the specific questions for this too, because this was a, a lot of fun to put together and work on. So I do have to say a huge thank you to the Why We Do What We Do crew here for allowing me to be on this awesome show and to work on this. It has been a blast. And so we hope that, as you know, as we put together content and everybody gets to listen to this stuff, you actually do enjoy it. So y'all, y'all are so much fun. So it looks like we still have some people popping in. It looks like, yeah, there we go. We've got Elon Musk here. So thankful. I was waiting for him to pop in and see how that was going. All right, here we go. So who is responsible for our theme music? Is it Jansen Great Host, Jeffson Grab Tent, Justin Greenhouse, or Jeffrey Grandspot? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those were so well made. Who's responsible for all the distractors? That was me. That was so much fun to put that together. Dude, high five. Wow. (laughs) Particularly a fan of Jansen Great Host. And it is just in Greenhouse. Yes. And he was on earlier. So everybody got that right. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Justin Greenhouse. Super awesome at putting stuff together. Yeah. I mean, he really, really spends a lot of time and effort putting this stuff together. So cool. All right. So it looks like whoever Simply the Best is, is number one right now. Oh, I feel like it's Stu. I feel like Stu is Stu. No, Stu's right underneath it. <laughs> I feel like Stu's got a distractor yeah, account. I don't trust it. I don't know, man. He's got four screens open to make sure he wins. All right, here we go. Who is our mortal podcast enemy? Is it Jordan Peterson, Jennifer Aniston, Jessica Jones, or Jesse James? I hope it's not Jessica Jones because that would be rough. Yeah. Can't win that one. Yeah, it is Jordan Peterson. If you get a chance to listen to some of our episodes and we talk about a very particular person, it is that person. It's a fun kind of recurring thing. So let's see. Simply the Best is still number one, but Elon Musk is catching up. So I think he's going to end up buying out the podcast at some point. <laughs> Price is right. <laughs> right? <laughs> we'll sell out for that. Who was the first guest we interviewed? Is that going to be Tyra Sellers, Steve Hayes, George Shagai, or Jonathan Tarbox? The first one that I found in our podcast list was Steve Hayes. This was before I was even on the podcast, so I didn't even participate in this one. This was for our episode on grit. Yes, that is still one of our most. None of us got that right. (laughs) (laughs) That was like an iconic moment too. Yeah, for for my my like small career. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're we're a mess over here. We're a mess over here at the Why We Do We Do podcast all right during what type of crime in stockholm sweden did in 1973 did the term stockholm syndrome develop was it a bank robbery a plane hijacking a vandalism or a home invasion oh crap i got this one wrong (sighs) (laughs) this is a show related question yeah (laughs) yeah we did (laughs) we did one on stockholm syndrome we're big on Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, no. So it was a bank robbery, right? Um, funny story, though. I learned recently that in 1973, plane hijackings were apparently like a fairly common thing. Like it happened more often than people realize. Like, because I guess it was super simple and people would just disappear off the planet. 
All right. So looks like Abraham is picking up. Alan's catching up on that. And Stu also picked up. So Elon Musk is not really. Uh... Yeah. Come on, Elon. <laughs> what might be one simple fix to addressing your current case of syphilis? Is it A, <laughs> wait for as long as possible since it will clear up on its own. B, go get a shot of penicillin as soon as possible. C, inject light into your bloodstream to kill the disease. <laughs> or syphilis is incurable and you shouldn't even try. <laughs> These are good. These are really good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a solid, solid lineup right there. I mean, my gut reaction was to inject light, but yeah, a shot of penicillin will work just fine. Actually, super helpful for that. We did cover that on the, on the episode on on syphilis. So, simply the best is picking up. Look at that. Back on top. Okay, here we go. What is the official label for the phobia associated with severe fear of dark environments? Is going to be lunophobia, necrophobia, nocturnophobia, or nyctophobia? This was from our series on spooky episodes. This is when we did our spooky episodes. Was that our first Halloween? I think this was our second one. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I can't remember. See, like that. <laughs> yeah, it's nyctophobia. Yes, it is nyctophobia. I believe Alan did the notes on that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That's a good one. That was that was a fun one. So let's see. Oh, Stu is in the lead. Look at that. He's on fire. On fire. We. He's got. He's gone full NBA Jam. All right. What is the percentage of right to left hand dominance that has remained fairly stable throughout history? Is that going to be 90% to 10%, 80% to 20%, 75% to 25% or 70% to 30%? See, not all my distractors are clever. Percents are hard to make good jokes out of, I think. They really are. Classic thing that everybody knows about percentage. <laughs> yeah, if you take away one thing. <laughs> yeah, it's 90% to 10%. And this is, from what we understand, fairly consistent throughout history, which is awesome. Awesome. All right. And look at that. Matt's picking up. Matt's second. I love it. Come on, Matt. Dethrone Stu. Uh, listen, real quick, I, I have to say something. How is it that our team is not getting these? How, why are we not at the top of this? This is bazonk It's bonkers. Not bazonkers, but bonkers. I'm trying not to win. Specifically. <laughs> All right. How many of the last eight presidents were left-handed? Four, five, six, or seven? <laughs> you know what's funny is I don't think that I ever thought of handedness in a president until this question came up. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was five. So only one person got that right. All right. Let's see. Elon Musk is coming back. I love it. All right, here we go. The infamous Bedtime Pass article in 1999 was published with which well-known behavior analyst as lead author? Is that Steve Hayes, B.F. Skinner, Brian Iwata, or Pat Fryman? I'm going to be so bummed if all of our behavior analyst friends don't get this. Carl Jung. <laughs> <laughs> it's the MyPillow guy. Oh, no. <laughs> Isn't Jordan Peterson a youngin? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Pat Fryman. Look, we all got it. Yay. Yay. Elon, and even Elon Musk knew. That's a genius. <laughs> he really has got it. During the mummification process, this organ was removed from the body first using a hooked instrument. Is that going to be the eyes, the brain, the heart, or the stomach? This also came from our series on spooky episodes. I'm straight guessing on some of these. 25% <laughs> <laughs> chance here. <laughs> all right. And it would be the brain, which sounds horrifying. So that is the worst. Like they create like a slurry. Come on, so, Stu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stu's like just killing it. It's great. It's up to you, Matt. All right. So, last question. During the 2010 study from Princeton, this salary was the threshold for predicting happiness. How much uh, was it? 
Was it 75,000, 100,000, 125,000, or 150,000? Stu just locked this in. You could hear the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> there was new research that just came out to contradict this, too. Now I'm, I'm curious. We need to do a retro. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we need to revise it. Oh. Did you get it wrong? I was overthrown. <laughs> what? Oh, no. Uh oh. <laughs> Did Matt throw? Uh oh. Uh oh. So it was 75,000. Let's see. Here's our podium. In third place, we had Alan, who created most of these questions. <laughs> Alan! <laughs> Stu in second. Oh! <laughs> what? And Matt! Matt! All right. <laughs> Yay! Nice! Yay! Wow. Well, now, I, I will now give a, a uh, victory speech. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep it brief, though. <laughs> so, my favorite part of this is that another podcast host knows our podcast better than we do. <laughs> just luck and congratulations matt that was wonderful that was awesome and that's all the trivia Thank i've you. got today so it was it was thrilling you know the back and forth you know it had a lot of you know the the drama that's you know you come to expect from kahoot <laughs> uh, oh <boy>. sweet <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Shane. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you all for your time. Um, as we do, we like to close out these episodes with recommendations. Recommendations. I'll kick it off, I guess. I have my, my own set of recommendations, and, and then that way everyone has an opportunity to think of theirs if they don't have some right on the tip of their tongue. But just thinking about um, something that you think other people would enjoy or something you really like and, and would like to recommend to others or whatever. I don't really care. Say whatever you want. And so my recommendation is Mountain Thunder Hawaiian Coffee, uh, which I'm currently drinking this morning. Realizing I probably shouldn't be because I'm donating blood in a couple hours. So we'll see how they think how they feel about that. But Mountain Thunder Hawaiian Coffee is um, really, really good. Uh, their membership offers a discount. And I think the membership itself is free. So just uh, really, really great stuff. And that's my recommendation. Who would like to go next? I'll get mine out of the way. If you like music and you like banging your head and you like good metal, go listen to High on Fire's last record called Electric Messiah. It is a bruiser of a metal album. If you're a big fan of, um, let's say, Motorhead and stuff like that, it's like Motorhead for the year 2000. It's fantastic. Nice. Can I go next? Because I think mine is related. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So if you like music and if you play an instrument or if you are interested in things like music theory and arrangement and things like that, I've been really uh, entertained by this uh, YouTube channel called uh, Rick Beato, Everything Music. If you're not familiar with that, it, you can just uh, go to YouTube and type in Rick, and his last name, B-E-A-T-O. He's a uh, music producer and a multi-instrumentalist and he just has all these great videos about again how songs you know are, are what makes a song great and so he'll take like a, a either a classic or a contemporary song and break it down and uh, because he's a producer he, he can tell how it was arranged and produced and so on and so forth he plays along with them on all the different instruments it's super cool and i will apologize in advance because you're going to lose a lot of time because uh, you're <laughs> going to fall down this youtube rabbit hole of rick beato videos so that's rad. Thank you. Uh, who's next? I'll go next. So I've got two things that I would like to recommend to folks. First of all, I snagged a pass to Sundance this year, so I've got ah. to watch this early. Um, Street Gang, how we got to Sesame Street. 
It's a fantastic, cool documentary looking into the development of Sesame Street and like what it achieved. And it is straight up moving. Like I had tears at the end. It's great. Not sure when it'll be out on like streaming platforms, but check it out. And if you want something that's available now, this uh, podcast I thought was pretty sweet on understanding how things like I was talking about with blockchain could potentially alter the way in which society kind of functions and how things work. So I'll share that link. Is that podcast called Concrete? Concrete is the podcast, but it's specifically that episode with Rich Clark. And I really liked the the way in which he described it. There's a lot of noise out there. Cool. I haven't listened to many episodes of Concrete. So I'm, I guess my recommendation is specifically this episode for that guest. Got it. To be clear. For those who are not who are listening in to this later, um, it was something about the future of cryptocurrency, but we'll have that link in the show notes for this episode as well. So, all right. So uh, I think uh, Selena, Stu, haven't gone yet. Alan, maybe. Yeah, I'll go um, after Ryan here because my recommendation is also at a movie. I thoroughly enjoy movies. I watch them often, especially during a time of COVID. So my recommendation is a show or a movie called The Dig. It's available on Netflix. This tells the story and the tale of an archaeologist who embarks on a historical and important excavation in the UK. And he discovers this site called Sutton Ho. And it's really, really interesting because I'm also reading or rereading the book Sapiens and just kind of like going over uh, just the evolution of humankind and just this important dig and the storyline about it. Uh, It's about two hours long. It's a little long, but it is really fascinating um, just from a historical perspective. Right. Thanks. Oh, and then... One of the main uh, actors is Voldemort, if anyone is a Harry Potter fan. So he's in this one. So it's kind of good to see him in a positive role here. <laughs> yeah. Ralph Fiennes <laughs> rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good actor. Also in Red Dragon. Uh, not not as a good guy there. but <laughs> um, All right. Who wants to go next? I can go. Definitely also need to push because Selena mentioned it before and it was very influential for uh, our episode on money uh, was Sapiens, the book. In fact, all three of you all know Harari's books, Sapiens, Homo Deus and 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. All wonderful reads really kind of showcasing every piece of humanity in a really accessible way. But I was also going to push uh, get on the, you know, the music train, this show on Netflix, which is also a podcast song exploder where they yes. dissect a couple really popular songs uh, more recently when you were young by the killers and losing my religion by REM and uh, hurt by nine inch nails. Really, really great episodes. They showcase a ton of different types of music and really, really cool to nerd out on. Yeah. Cool. It's so good. It's really good. That's awesome. Glad to hear. So I think you're the only one left. I think uh, a book, if I'm going to invite myself back on the show, which I'm doing <laughs> yeah. good prep work would actually be to read this book. It's called the end of average about how what might be called averagearian thinking has integrated and infiltrated science and education and how a lot of our institutions are built upon the false notion that individuals can be treated as groups. Cool. So as as a behavior analyst, I think we have all kind of had a sense that like stats are dumb (laughs) and this gives you some language around why it is we don't like this idea. Well, this idea that like a randomized controlled trial is the only way to find truth. We are the study of individuals and we haven't been acting like it, um, according to our research. So yeah, the end of average, cool. I think is a good starting point for this journey of getting out of average area and thinking. Justin did leave me with the message that, um, that he, he recommends Lego, uh, Lego blocks specifically having to stay in all the time with, uh, with his kids has been great to keep him busy and focused on something that's not TV. I think, 
this is something Shane can definitely second, who as an adult person can attest to all the Legos, uh, Lego blocks and Lego toys. He's he continues to play with because they're really cool. Yes, I continue to collect them. I have the Ghostbusters firehouse in my background, if you were not aware of that. So <laughs> Legos rule. All right. Thank you guys so much. Does anybody have anything else to close us out before we uh, wrap this up? Nope. Just congratulations, y'all. Yeah. This has been fun. Just thanks. Yeah. Keep doing it. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you so much to my special guests, Stula, Matt Sicoria, and Ryan O'Donnell. Thank you very much for my team. Thank you everyone who tuned into this live and for everyone who is listening to it later. If you want to learn about this or other episodes, please find us on all the social media platforms, like subscribe, tag, all the, all the cool things that the cool kids do. Make a meme about us, please. That'd be great. A nice one, preferably. <laughs> Just getting on that bandwagon there. As always, we love to hear from you. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, please shoot us a message on one of the social media platforms. You can also reach us at our email at info at www.podcast.com. All right. Thanks, everyone. I'm going to go ahead and end this live stream here. See ya. Bye. We out. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. Yeah.